this is a sad day. It is. It's the end of an era. Yeah. It's the end of cut two, as we know it. Mm-hmm. This is cut to the end. I'm your host, Caleb Hamilton, at CalebH92 on Twitter. I'm joined, as always, by my trusty co-host and partner in crime, Connor Behrens, at Connor Film. Howdy there. Well, it's not, it's not that sad. I mean... It, Cut 2 is transforming, evolving. We've reached the end of this, this form of the show as, a, as an audio podcast. And, and we're turning into something better, much more beautiful. Um, everyone's gone to YouTube. Um, they're very successful um, film uh shows video podcasts uh, i guess they're still technically podcasts we've got you know the screen junkies and collider video with john hack campia and and then we've got what pretty much it and, <laughs> and they're you know very popular and um, john's all these people yeah like the you know and of course you need the video the youtube film critics like white camera jackson and Jeremy Johns and Chris Stuckman and all those guys who have all joined the Screen Junkies Plus thing. The good thing about what what we're doing is that we are not going to charge you. You'll be able to access Cut 2 and for free. Um you know, and we might maybe we'll create like a PayPal thing if people want to like donate to like make the production values better or whatever. Um but yeah, we're going to start be uh, we're going to start uh, video content i mean we we were on youtube but we were always just audio we were never yeah that was cut to what volume i mean cut to uh 1.0 that 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 ran for what five months yeah around there um and that's gonna we're gonna start doing that again where we're only going to run during the summer because our schedules are becoming so busy that we can't really dedicate you know the time anymore to weekly shows um and and i know we usually do them on the weekend but it's like we need time to you know go to see the movies and sometimes we can't see them and so we miss out on doing an episode and we don't want to bullshit you know a fucking like ranking uh something or you know doing like a countdown or of things we want to give you like an actual you know, some actual content, something that you can chew on and think about and, and you know, participate in. Um, so that's what that's what we like to do with our reviews. Um, and I know sometimes they're, they're really silly. Like last week we did the whole Star Wars spoiler special. That was nothing but pure fun. And there was nothing to really think about, you know. And we didn't even give like a real review of Star Wars, did we? We just talked about what we liked and we gave ratings, but it was very unorganized, but I think it was an enjoyable mess. Yeah, and and I don't think we're going to be able to do those anymore with our new format. Um, oh, the huge group. Yeah, which is sad. 
But, yeah, because um, I like I like doing it with a huge panel. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But we've had a we've had a good run. We've run a year, mm-hmm. um, which is the longest we've ever run, really. Um, yeah. And we've had some we've had some great, great times. Um, we we crossed a thousand downloads uh, on one episode. Uh, which was what Fantastic Four. Yes. Yeah. We had a huge episode for Batman v Superman at during Comic Con. Mm-hmm. We've had some great guests on. Um, so it's just it's been a it's been a wild wild ride, and I'd like, I'd like to thank you know our dedicated listeners. Um, I know there there aren't that many uh, who come back every week, but those who do, you know, you, you make it you make this worth it, and uh, which is why we you know we we're going to just stop. We were going to stop. We weren't going to continue, um, but but it's because of you know you guys that we're going to you know go to this new format in video. Um, but this whole episode is not about you know the future of cut two. Um, we'll have more details about our plans later on in the episode. But um, we we want to give you one last you know review uh, before we you know go on uh, hiatus and we build the new show um we're going to talk about the hateful eight uh i saw it on friday night as a special road show engagement um connor saw it um as well and um so we want to talk about that and then we have a special uh interview that we did uh with if you remember back i think it was like what was it entourage back in may we had carl on yeah. carl taylor um on twitter at the one true carl and um and we, we we he called me one night uh he was inebriated very drunk Car- carl likes to get drunk now for some reason i don't know what his what his deal is but he calls me it was really random he calls me and he's like oh hey uh why don't you put me on cut two? And I, I said, Carl, you know, you're, you're, you're drunk. You're not gonna, re- you're not gonna remember any of this tomorrow. He's like, I don't, I don't care. So I, I put the recording. I, I recorded a, an interview with him, more like a conversation where he, he, um, he's, he's all over the place in this. Um, I had to cut, I had to cut it, um, cut it down some because, um. You know, he talks about certain people and some stuff, and I mean, these weren't questions. I don't think I guided him in that direction, but this just came up. You know, you don't have any control over your you know, inhibitions when you're under the influence of alcohol. So, but uh, what I did leave in, you know, stuff about his life and stuff that he, I guess, you know, he loves talking about. He does periscopes all the time where he just gets drunk and he just, talk, you know, goes up, goes at it. So. Um, so that'll be after our review of uh, The Hateful Eight. And then we'll talk a bit more about the future of Cut 2 on YouTube and what we're going to do with the backlog of episodes um, that have lived on SoundCloud and iTunes uh, since we've uh, since the beginning. So, uh, Connor, why don't we start with The Hateful Eight. It's the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino. Um... And he's been doing uh, in a hundred cities across the country. 
a, what, what's called a road show um, where you go to the movie theater um, and there's like an overture, which is something that's usually done on like Broadway for musicals. There's an overture where you hear um, like one or two themes from from the musical score mm-hmm. and then you then once that's over you start with like the first act of the of the musical then there's an intermission which also is here in this road show um which you know is like a a break you get 15 minutes then you go up and go to the bathroom discuss what you saw and then you head in for act two um and the hateful eight really felt like um a play you know it was like you were watching a stage play but on film um just because it was really really talky it was a very dialogue focused film yes i mean the first uh the first 15 minutes are nothing but samuel jackson's character kurt russell's character and jennifer jason lee's character just talking in like a a carriage or a buggy it's a stagecoach there we go, a stagecoach. I'm sorry, people. I'm not a history buff, nor did I live in the 1860s. I don't think anyone listening to this show lived in the never, 1860s. You never know. Uh, that's true. So, but it wasn't just like the first 15 minutes. It was like the first like maybe hour. Uh, so it was really talky. Um, but that that talking, all that talking, is really paid off in like the third act, where you get into that classic you know tarantino violence and gore um i mean the talking isn't all bad i mean there's some really witty dialogue in there and it's really funny but it's also full of like really objectionable 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 yeah that's that's it objectionable it's filled with you know witty dialogue and everything um and it's not you know all bad some of it's actually quite funny but it's I'm, full of objectionable dialogue and um and like the n-word is used a lot which is you know what tarantino does um but like people in, in the audience i was sitting next to a couple and the wife was just she would always gasp she was like jesus jesus oh my god you know when whenever something like bad would happen you know in, in terms of like saying the n-word or Kurt Russell decides to bust uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character in the nose or something like that. Um, but yeah, but that talking, you know, it, it, it's not it's not all boring. You know, stuff happens in between, Especially, and it's paid so, off. You know, you you get a big payoff at the end. Yeah, I mean, I think the film's definitely a testament to Tarantino's skill at creating memorable dialogue. I mean, that's always been one of his strongest skill sets. I think the film does overstay its welcome a little bit. I mean, I get why it's the length that is, and we discussed this earlier. It's kind of set up. The format is kind of like a play, mm-hmm. and um, I can understand why it's the length that it is. I mean, what it's basically three hours with the interlude and the the beginning musical. Um, I don't think those are included in the runtime. Oh, okay. So what, then like two hours and 40 minutes, something around there? Well, the movie's three hours. In the roadshow version, it's three hours and two minutes long. Yeah, I mean... So, I, I, well, actually, yeah, I do believe that those are 
I guess those are, yeah. I guess those are included in the runtime. Well. Because my well, showing started at 6.45 and ended at like 9.30. So. Yeah. I just, I thought the film, again, was a testament to Tarantino's skill at dialogue. I think there was some great monologues, especially with Samuel Jackson's character. But at the end of the day, I think the film did overstay its welcome. I feel like it could have gone another round in the editing, you know, Booth. They could have taken out some bits, some pieces there, maybe a scene or two. I am. Um, I mean, what did you think about Channing Tatum? I felt like you could have just put any actor in that role. Um. Yeah. Any actor could have gone in that role. Um. And let's talk some of let's talk about some of the performances. I mean, we know Samuel L. Jackson. He's he's like Tarantino's like lucky charm, I guess. He's like in almost every one of his movies. Um, he he was I I really liked his performance. Um, because once again, you know, Tarantino's done something that no one else has really done before, and that's made the the black guy the hero, almost in a way. I mean, even though all these guys, all these people are horrible people, he's sort of like the hero of the story, kind of, in a way. Um, and he did that before, you know, last year with Django Unchained, um, where he not only made the black guy the hero, but he made the black guy playing a, a, a freed slave killing a bunch of white people, you know, the hero. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting that um, Jackson's character in this movie is a bounty hunter, just like Django was, which, and I think... I read somewhere that this movie was meant to be like a sequel to Django, but I think when that when the script leaked or whatever, that part that maybe that was changed. I I don't know exactly what oh, happened I with that. I think this exists in the same universe as that film. It's interesting. Kurt Russell was really great too. He oh, um, yeah, that mustache though, it, which was real by the way. He really grew that. Um, really impressive. Really impressive. Um, he was hilarious. Um, what did you think of his performance? Um, it was, you know, it was classic Kurt Russell. I mean, he has, I don't know, I don't think he's planned to do this, but he's had a few films where it's, if the film that he's in focuses on isolation. I mean, there was a few moments in this film where I was watching it and it reminded me of The Thing, which was another movie where a group of people were stuck in a, um in a place during a blizzard in the ice. Have you ever seen The Thing? I have never seen The Thing. It's very good. The The John Carpenter remake is very good with Kurt Russell. It's, it's, it's very much like this. I mean, he plays one of the main characters who is stuck um, in like a science institution in the middle of nowhere, and there's a huge blizzard, and then this like alien creature who can take the form of anyone else starts inhabiting the like crew. It's a very good movie, but it reminded me of this. And, um, Kurt Russell's always kind of been an action type. I mean, he was in those escape from LA escape from New York apocalypse movies. He's done a few cop films. I've always liked Kurt Russell. I always think he was a very, he, he always had that charisma that you needed from the leading man. And what I particularly, particularly liked was how he, um, bounce off of Jennifer Jason Lee so easily. And I think she was uh, definitely one of the highlights of the film. I mean, I have not honestly seen a lot of films with her in it, but she did a very good job here. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, she, 
she really held her own, you know, in, in terms, in you know, and especially in the circumstances that she was put in. Um, you know, the supporting cast was was really interesting too. We had, um, you know, a Tim Roth who was playing a a character who had mannerisms very similar to those of Christoph Waltz's character from Django Unchained, and I thought, you know, that um, that Tim Roth was like. I'm just saying that their performances were very, very similar. And I almost thought that Tim Roth was kind of copying Christoph Waltz. Did you get that vibe from his character? Um, I don't know. It never really crossed my mind. I just, I was trying to focus on the film by itself. I mean... I know that once everyone gets done watching this movie, they're going to instantly start comparing it with past Tarantino films. Um, but I felt I didn't really get that vibe at all, ever. I mean, I just also want to say that I'm glad that Jennifer Lawrence was too busy because I don't think... I, I think she would have ended up giving a serviceable job as Daisy, but I feel like Tarantino did the right thing in casting an older woman in the role of Daisy because Jennifer's like not even 30 yet. And Jen, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, I believe is like 52, 53. He needed someone a little bit more older and more experienced to play the role of Daisy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that where, you know, you needed someone a bit more experienced, a bit older for the role of Daisy. Um, and I just think Jennifer Lawrence in that role um, it's not a good, wasn't a good fit for, I mean, she's got this image of being like, you know, this wholesome, really sweet, uh, young lady. And so I'm kind of glad as well that she was busy. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Jennifer Lawrence anyway. So um, as much as I would have loved to see her get her ass kicked around by, um, that would have Kurt been, Russell. That would have been very strange to watch. Um, you know, yeah, it would have been, um, Damien by cheer. He played, uh, Bob, the Mexican, um, his voice irritated me. He was hilarious. I, I, I like that actor. Um, he, he's from, uh, I've seen him before in, uh, the Showtime series called weeds. Uh, he was really great in that. Um, there was one part, I guess it's in the, after the intermission. So I guess like act three where Samuel L. Jackson has them all like lined up and he's trying to figure out, you know, who did, you know, the stuff to the coffee and, um, and he's talking, and he's got his accent on and he's like, you know, done. Are you calling me a liar, Capron? I'm like, <laughs> everyone laughed at that. And actually, you know, a lot of, everyone was like cheering and clapping and laughing this was actually a better theater experience for me, at least, where the, theater, the audience was like really responsive and, and much more alive than it was for Star Wars. Um, and everyone was saying that, you know, everyone, you know, last week when we were talking about the Star Wars thing, everyone who was on the panel, including yourself, said that their audience, that the audience they were with, you know, they were really like cheering and clapping and whatnot. And I said that mine was really quiet. And I just thought this was really interesting that, you know, we were, I was in an, in this, special road show engagement thing at this art this art house and um you know i took a look around the room and you know there are a lot of young people there i was really surprised by the way that, like there were some really young people 
and um so i guess they're all like tarantino and film fans so um it was really interesting uh you know a really interesting dichotomy i guess uh what did you just say what dichotomy uh uh, words Uh, uh, i sound smart yes yes that's what i was saying i'm gonna throw up on you that's that was really disgusting (laughs) (laughs) that was disgusting um so yeah, Walton Goggins. Uh, the, at the end there, that uh, the, those two had to work together. He and Samuel L. Jackson. Just you know, that was also um, one of my favorite parts of the film. Um, and sort of the ending is sort of left you know ambiguous as well. I would I would guess. Um, did you like the ambiguous? Were you expecting like a like a actual like ending was... ending, or were you expecting more open ended? I was expecting everyone to die. And you know, I had that. I had that. I guess. I guess they're, they're they are going to die, but you don't see them die. It just. I'm not going to say who the the remaining two characters are who survive, even though this is spoiler review. But I mean, you can. But I, was, I think I already did. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was. Um, I was happy with the ending. I especially liked the last. Um, set of lines that that uh, the two characters shared about Samuel Jackson's Lincoln letter. It's very good. I was very happy with the film overall. I, I, I just think that the second half is much more entertaining than the first half. And there's not a way to get around that because you had to set up and build up so much tension in the first half to get that massive payoff. That's right. That's right. Okay, yeah. So I feel like I should cover the... Uh... The cinematography since i saw it in you know the 70 millimeter road show um this was the first film shown in ultra panavision 70 and actually shot also shot on that uh that film uh, format since cartoon uh, with charleston heston and Lawrence olivier which was released in 1966 and it it's really 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 uh, a really immersive uh, experience to see it that way in a much wider picture than you normally would. Um, and we talk about IMAX a lot, you know, IMAX is, uh, you know, sort of doing away with their 70 millimeter uh, cameras and going towards digital. Um, but in IMAX, you look at an IMAX film, which is shot on IMAX cameras with the 70 millimeter uh, film stock. And the picture is much taller than you normally would see. Um, and so that's the difference between this 70 millimeter, which was uh, for, this, for the Hateful Eight and IMAX. IMAX is a taller picture. Ultra Panavision is a wider picture. And I thought it was really cool. Um, at my theater, there was, a, there was a curtain. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting down, and the screen looks so, like, normal. It's kind of kind of um it's not that wide it's kind of tall and um as the overture played the curtains closed and the lights dimmed they didn't go all the way down they just dimmed and then i'm watching and you know when you go to a a theater like uh, to see a play um the stage sort of has this what's called a proscenium which goes it's called a proscenium arch so um it's sort of like the window into the world you're about to go into on the stage um, here, it didn't 
have an, an entire like proscenium arch, but there were columns on the far left and far right side of the screen. And those, um, those sort of like retracted away to reveal um, the, 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 the entire width of the screen, which I thought was really awesome. And then the curtains opened, of course, and they went all the way through. And then the Weinstein logo came up. And um, so that was like a really cool thing that happened. Um, I've never been to a movie theater with a screen before. I mean, I've never been to a movie theater with a screen. I've never been to a movie theater with a curtain before. And um, and I was wondering how they were going to make the the screen you know wide to fit the, the the image. And so that's that's what they did. They pulled the curtain all the way back and they moved that proscenium those proscenium columns back. Um, and that was really really awesome. Um, the the picture was was really good. Um, it was like watching a digital film. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of you know um, pop. I didn't see any dust or hair particles in the projector. I know I've seen uh, The Dark Knight and Mission Impossible. I went to the Smithsonian IMAX, uh, the Johnson IMAX theater to see those, which is uh, which projects film. And um, there would be like huge dust bunnies and like giant hair strands and a lot of, um, you know, it was like really dirty. But this, this picture was really crisp and really clean. And I couldn't tell that it was film at all, except, um, you know, since they're filming against a, a white, you know, there's a lot of snow, so it's really like bright. I could see like flickering. Um, I could see the film sort of running through. It was like watching an active 3D picture. If you've ever looked at a, a 3D TV with active uh, technology, which is like a, flit a flicker, you could see the film running through each, you know, each frame. I thought that was really, really cool. And every now and then there'd be like a little, you know, little little pop of like those little white circle things that come up sometimes when you're watching a film. I saw those every now and then, but other than that, it was a really great image. Um, and it's just really immersive. And I think, you know, if you, if you have one of these road shows playing around you, um, you should definitely try to go. I know they're not every place will have them that you have to check their website. Um, but I think the experience is worth it. It is. It is. And I'm sort of in, w wondering um, what the pricing, how they're doing the pricing, because I paid $20 for each ticket. But I'm reading at other places, they're paying like 16 mm -hmm. and 15 And oh. Adam said, I know he, someone that we were talking to said that he got tickets for like $20 total. He bought two tickets, so obviously he's playing ten dollars somewhere. So yeah. I need to know if like the theaters are setting these prices or, or what. I mean, it seems like they are. Well, yeah. I mean, I I was looking at some of the places that are playing around me, um, and like if you go early in the morning, like between eleven to one, tickets around me are only going to be like thirteen dollars and fifty cents. Compared to if you see it late at night at like seven or ten, it's going to be like sixteen to eighteen dollars. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> wow. Well, you know, it's it's definitely mute yourself. The experience is definitely worth it. Uh, Robert Richardson, the cinematographer, he did an amazing job. Um, you know, the, the colors and. 
a really, you know, it's really vivid. Um, and uh, you just captured this barren landscape and just sort of, you know, just totally like just sucks you in. Um, and Ennio uh, Morricone, uh, his, his music, uh, there's a few tracks in it that, that I think I'm going to buy. Um, I've never heard a score by him before. Um, and I think Tarantino like brought him out of retirement to, to do this movie, um, which was yes, which was really cool. Um, I love the overture, which is on the soundtrack, by the way. It's like um, you and you hear the 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 theme uh, several times in the film. Um, but it's like really haunting and just really slow. and it's just a, it's an amazing score, amazing soundtrack. so. Um, you know, definitely if you have a road show around you, try to find it, go, it's definitely worth it. Um, he, he definitely made an experience purely, I mean, any can enjoy this, but really decided to release the film like this and the film like this for cinephiles and film lovers. Yes. Yes. Um, so definitely go. Um, I, I, I gave it three and a half stars just because those first two acts they're really really but once it go once it gets going like right in the middle there like at the end of like maybe the middle of act two i'll say it really gets going that you and they introduce the mystery angle of it like the who done it it's very clue like if you ever played clue or seen the movie clue it's very much like that where you know anyone i don't know if you've read this book but it almost reminded me of augusta uh, Agatha, yes, her name Agatha Christine's, and then there were none. Have you ever read that novel? No, I've never read Agatha Christie. Well, it's about a bunch of people going to an island, and then it's revealed who all brought them there, and then they all start to die one by one. That's why I think I I liked this film so much. I mean, I didn't give it a much higher rating than you. I think I'd give it four stars out of five. But um, I just there was that mystery plot angle to the story that really explodes like you said in the middle of act two and it just it it creates a very very satisfying end to the film yes it does um well that's playing oh well we just gave our scores like you you gave it what the three four four stars out of five may i ask you a question yes i will yield to the gentleman for a question we have now seen two westerns from quentin tarantino he's already talked about maybe possibly doing another one in the form of uh tv he said he's written like a huge script for a television western miniseries Mm -hmm. would you film or tv would you want to see another western film from quentin tarantino or would you rather he explore another genre Um, i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of the western genre um also not the biggest tarantino fan this was actually the first quentin tarantino movie i've ever seen in in a movie theater um, I meant to see Django last year, but my friends went without me, and then I, I had to wait for it to come uh, home to Blu-ray, and I actually think I got a digital code from somewhere, so I watched it on, um, on, on uh, I forget, whatever, st- a streaming service I have on my television. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I'd have to see, you know, what it's about. The only reason I saw this was because of that mystery angle, like, you know, who done it. And, um, and I liked Django. So, um, 
I knew it would be, you know, I knew it would be good. Um, but I would really have to see, you know, what that next Western, what the story would be. Um, cause I'm very picky about everything. Yeah. Very, I mean, very picky. So that he wants to just do two more films so that his filmography will consist of 10 films and then he's going to retire. I mean, who knows if he'll follow through with that, but he should do like a sci-fi film. I would love to see a sci-fi film from him. He should do like Star Wars Episode Nine. All right. He should no no. He should do Star Wars Episode Ten so that his tenth film would be Star Wars Episode Ten. Is he gonna do that? Is like his ninth film gonna have nine in the title or something? My dad was. My dad said that he's like, you know, this is called the Hateful Eight. I'm like, no, why? He's like, it's because it's Tarantino's eighth film. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I really think it's about the eight people who are in this cabin together and they all hate each other. But okay, Dad, that's a good try. Well, do you want to? Would you like to see um, a film or a TV show from him? I think I'd like to see maybe him like executive produce, maybe direct a few episodes of a Western TV show, maybe possibly playing on HBO. But in terms of a film again, I really don't think I have any interest to see another Western from Tarantino. I mean, uh, Quentin did great job with Django Unchained. I thought that was a fantastic film. I thought this was another great addition to his body of work, but I feel like he should probably move on and go to another genre. I mean, he's done crime. He's done gangs. He's done... Um, he tackled the... Uh, Black exploitation. Yeah, with with Quentin Tarantino uh why do I keep saying Quentin Tarantino with Django Unchained he tackled like the well, ninja Jackie Brown was also black exploitation and he also tackled the ninja samurai genre with Kill Bill 1 and 2 so i mean he he definitely has a few options again i mean i wouldn't i i wouldn't mind seeing another history film from him like set in a previous decade i just don't know if i need to see another film set in the late 1800s I could agree with that. I could agree with that. Well, let's do ratings once more. What do you give it out of five? Um, I'll probably see it again, but for right now, I'm going to just give it a four out of five. Four out of five stars. Okay. Um, well, I don't need to see it ever again, um, but I gave it three and a half stars. Um, so that's The Hateful Eight uh, now playing uh, the 70 millimeter Roadshow Engagement. Um, playing in 100 cities across the country. Um, and then it opens wide on January 4th. So, uh, what do you, Connor, do you know when it opens wide? Oh, I'm not sure. I can check, though. I think it's the beginning of January. Let me just. Yeah, it's January sometime. It's like. A wide, a wide digital release is scheduled for January 1st, 2006. Oh, okay, so January 1st. Okay, all right. Well, okay, great. So, uh,. If you can't make it to a well, the roadshow is going to continue playing, right? I'm not. I think sure. that's what they said is going to keep going. Um, but you know, if you can't make it to a roadshow, that it opens wide on January first. All right, so now uh, we'll, we're going to discuss the uh, the future of what's happening with cut two here, um, and then we'll cut to the episode. And we'll cut to the interview with Carl. Um, so. We're no longer going to be here on SoundCloud. Nada. Um, I'm going to. I, I've kept backups of every episode, 
And what I think I will do is uh, once we build the channel on YouTube, um, I will create a playlist and upload every episode in an audio form so that you can still listen to these. Um, and then, of course, new viewers, new listeners can find these old episodes. Um, and I think we'll be, we're not going to be on iTunes anymore either. Um, so once we pull those episodes down off of SoundCloud, I mean, I don't, I don't need to do the, do that, uh, right now. I mean, I have backups and I don't need to pull them off of there to have them on YouTube, but I'm just, I'm just saying once I stop paying the bill for SoundCloud, um, it's going to come off of iTunes. It'll be on YouTube in a playlist and then, uh, the videos will start, um, it'll be like a new show. So I'm thinking about changing the title to cut to live. You like that, Connor? Cut yes, to live. You're going to be seeing our faces, our gloriously handsome faces. Yeah. And, it, and it's not going to be like a live. I mean, I guess we could do like live shows streamed. We could stream to YouTube, mm-hmm. um, through Google Hangouts. Um, but most of them are going to be like pre-recorded, like Jimmy Kimmel Live. Like Jimmy Kimmel Live is not a live show every night. He records in the morning, and then, um, you know, he's on at like eleven thirty-five Eastern time. Um, so it's gonna be like that. Cut to live, uh, and we're only gonna run in the summer. So, from like May until September. Sometimes maybe we'll go into October. I think we could do that. We're gonna have to do something in March, though. Yeah, yes. Uh, March uh, is Batman versus Superman, so that's gonna be like our first episode. Our we're first gonna start run. early. It's gonna be like a test episode, a test run. Yeah, well, it's gonna. We'll see. It's gonna be great. And we're Can't gonna flop. And we're gonna be working uh, the next couple months, experimenting with the video to see if we can get like a third person in there. Because the way it's set up now is that it can only record like two of us at the same time you could always take calls from people yeah like call in to cut to live you're on the air what's your comment okay so yeah so that's that cut to live is coming march 2016 um and then uh then we'll be back uh in the summer with civil war on uh the weekend of when's that coming out like may May 6th. Yeah, Captain America Civil War on May 6th. So we'll be back that weekend with our first episode of Cut to Live on YouTube. And we will tweet out the channel once it's ready and everything, which won't be until March. Um, And uh, so, yeah, so thank you all for listening to Cut to for the past year. Um, Please. you know, stick around, and we'll we'll be back, uh, in a in a new form, uh, really really soon. Um, and that does it for this episode of Cut to that does it for Cut to podcast. For forever, kind of not really, um, and and uh, and so we're gonna leave you now with the interview uh, with Carl, and uh, it's not uh, like a straightforward interview. Just to warn you, I will ask some questions, but it's mostly and Connor's Connor will come in at some point. I will and ask questions, but uh, it's mostly Carl talking. 
Um, and I, I, I said to him, I said, Carl, you know, you're, you're drunk. You're not going to remember this. Do you really want me to do this? And uh, he said, yeah. And so, and even now, like, he's not even drunk. Like, last week he asked me when I was putting the interview out. So, um, so he knows it, it happened and he's been looking forward to it. Uh, so uh, it's our last episode. And so I just said, you know, okay, we'll do this for Carl. So uh, here it is. Please enjoy. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you uh, next year on Cut 2 Live. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. So, Carl, do you yeah. believe that Florence Soki is really an insider at Warner Brothers, or do you think he's pulling everyone's leg? Hey, he's pulling everyone's leg. Are you, are you going to talk about that shit? Like, if he's, like, working at Warner Brothers, like, like I'm pretty sure, like, fuck, like, Zach's not fucking huge. Like, he's probably threatening people himself. Like, I'm pretty sure he's not allowed to say mm-hmm. yeah. he probably just like you just just says just says shit just to throw people from our loop and throw them off because because there's always like somebody who's like trying to trying to fucking spoiler spoiler spoil movies and stuff and since he works at Mario Brothers he can just pretend that they're wrong and and shit. Mm. So he, he, you don't think he's actually gonna see the movie soon? Uh, he 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 he's fucking bragging about it. Like, like I, I didn't mind my own business, and, he, and he's like, he says something about fucking Bad vs Superman, just to agitate me. And I'm like, like and it's like I got I gotta wait a few more months for that, and it, it makes me mad. Do you want to beat him up? Not I. I want to. I want to cut open his head and switch brains with him. Uh huh. So it'd be, it'd be me controlling his body. Uh huh. So I could watch that versus Superman. But 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 he's not. He doesn't actually work for Warner Brothers. That's the thing. What? He doesn't actually work for Warner Brothers. Who does he work for? No one. He's pulling everyone's leg. What? Yeah. I'm gonna have, have I'm gonna fucking talk to him after this fucking interview is over. Yeah, I don't think he's actually working for Warner Brothers. Just look for he's probably gonna have trouble admitting it, but he, oh, he's, he's a racist, yeah. Did he call you the N-word, Carl? No, he didn't call him the N-word, but like he, he called me boy. And that's a derogatory term when it's a white man calling a black man a boy because mm-hmm. of like slavery and shit. Mm-hmm. And like I felt like highly offended when he did that. And then when he referred to Michael Black as Little Black, oh, not wow. little Michael, just Little Black, and it's like, dude, like, what the fuck? And then he, he always, like, attacks, like, me and Votan. 
and we're like both not white and that's kind of like a red flag too uh-huh. even when even when I have evidence against Devin he always takes Devin's side and uh-huh. that's the black guy which is me uh-huh. uh, he's changed the name from Paul to the criminal justice system yeah you know who called me boy this evening? Who? Alan. <gasps> wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, which the the guy with the hairline? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. He says, "Did I hurt your feelings, boy?" You can't say that. <laughs> Because I had, he got upset because I had Fifty Shades of Grey in my top five of the year. And he says, he says that tripe doesn't deserve the dignity of being called a film and I ought to deck you for doing so. Like he threatened to like punch me. Damn, that's fucked up. Yeah. And then I, when I, when I asked him, when I said, I, 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 I replied to him, I said, quote unquote, boy, he didn't reply. He knows what he did was wrong. Damn. It's fucked up. Should I, what should I do? You gotta keep calling him out on it. Like, again, to apologize. We'll see about that. And I'm gonna let you listen to it, and then you make the decision. You know, when you have all your faculties back. Okay. But I'm gonna go to bed now. Mm-hmm. But thanks for the call, you know. That was totally unexpected. I never expected to get a call from Carl. Yeah. Like an RKO. Yes. Thank (laughs) you for that. You've added some spice to my night. Had some great laughs. Um, but this is... We had a hell of a time. We did. We did have a hell of a time. We should do it again sometime. We should. Get Get the guys together. You, me, Dan, Jamie... Let's do it. Maybe Botan? Mm, that'd be... I'll, I'll try to work something out. Yeah. And Connor, of course, if he wants to be there. Too.